Today's uh, scripture reading is a little different than what's in your uh, in your bulletins and what's on the screen, so I'm just going to kind of go with it. It's uh, it'll be Ephesians four one through three, and then it'll be Ephesians four seventeen through chapter five verse eight. So it's a little different, but y'all get it. Um, it'll. On the Bibles in front of you, if you don't have one with you or on your phone, it's on page 1,226 and 1,227. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, and then Ephesians 4.17 4, 17 through 5.8. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 4.17 So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, and because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light of, in the Lord. Live as children of light. May God bless the reading of his word. Well... Here we are, walking the way. We're in part two. Last week we looked at 
walking as humble, and this week we look at walking as worthy, and what we're doing is, is looking at this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Uh, one of the first churches that were planted in the early days of Christianity, and it so about 2,000 years ago almost, and, and about 6,000 miles away from here in, in modern day Turkey. And, and they planted this church, it was a prominent city, and uh, so it was a prominent church because from this church was planted other churches in the region and so forth, we believe. And, and so this was a, we, we spent a whole series just talking about this church, this particular people of the way, as they were known. <clears throat> Maybe some of that today, so hang with me. But uh, we looked at this people of the way last fall, and now we're kind of looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this people of the way that essentially says, if you want to be people of the way, then you need to walk in the way. If you want to be people of the way, then you need to live in the way. And walk in that way. And so this letter just kind of unpacks a lot of what that looks like. So, I think I have to hit something over here real fast or we're not going to have any slides. Yeah, that'll be fine. Alright, so, let's pull up the, uh, the slide that says that. If it was true for them back then, it's true for us today. If we want to be known as people of the way, then we had better walk in the way. And it's important to note that this way is the Jesus way, not the Paul way. Uh, not anyone else's way, it's just Jesus' way. And, and the apostles were, were the ones that Jesus handed off the mission of sharing not only the gospel, but also what it meant to live into that gospel, right? And so the Apostle Paul said, even today, he said, uh, you know, make sure you're walking as worthy of the gospel that you were called to. In other places he would say, conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. And, uh, but this is not just Paul. This is stuff that he gets from Jesus. Take this, you know, sometimes Jesus' words were hard. They're hard for us to swallow. They were even hard for his first disciples to swallow. Because sometimes he would say such, such extreme things like, like anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not, say it, worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Ouch. You know, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me, there, there was not a more shameful death known to them in that day, especially in Jewish culture, than to be hung up there shamefully on a, on a cross by the Romans, the pagans, and, uh, and so this idea of whoever is not willing to do this is not worthy. It almost sounds like if we didn't know better, if this was all we had from Jesus, we would think maybe he's anti-family or anti-society or something. But of course we do know better and we have a lot more that he says. And a lot of times he says things in a very extreme way to get a point across. But clearly there's a, a sense in which we can walk 
worthy and there's a sense in which we can walk unworthy. And, and we like a Jesus, most of us, in, in America today especially, we prefer a Jesus that is big on love and short on demands. Right? We like a Jesus, we, we're all about John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But we prefer not to keep reading to where it says this is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whosoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen what they've done has been done in the sight of God. Now we prefer not to keep reading to that. Because we'd prefer just to talk about the love of Jesus and not the high level of calling that he calls us to. You know, we want to we wanna have Jesus and the stuff we always had. We want to be able to keep living the way that we have lived or the way that the culture and world around us live and then just add a little Jesus into it. You know, keep the, keep the things you love and just go on loving them and just add a little bit of Jesus to it. You know, maybe uh, don't worry about breaking the habits, the old habits you had, just add a little Jesus to them. Uh, you know, your passions, desires, pleasures, you know, go on pursuing those things and just add a little bit of Jesus. I've heard people talk that way. I don't know if you have. Just sitting around listening to people talk, if you ever do it. You know, it wasn't that long ago I heard some lady saying to her friend, you know, yeah, I need a little more Jesus in my life. You know, which I wasn't sure whether to be glad that she was feeling that way or to be sad that, that she thought he was just something you could just kind of sprinkle in every now and again and add into whatever else you've got going on and it's good. That's not what Jesus says. And that's not what his apostles taught either. And so we have this challenging message today from Paul who says, opens this section as he's telling them about how to walk in the way with as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received and then he begins to tell us what that looks like this message today is especially for anyone who believes the gospel anyone who calls themselves a Jesus follower anyone who's put their faith in Christ this is specifically for you, written to a people just like you. About, okay, you've come to Christ, here's how to walk in a way that's worthy of the gospel. And if you're here or you're listening online and you're not a Christian, then this is what it looks like for those who've become a Christian. And we'll talk more about getting the, heart, uh, the horse before the cart, which sometimes happens, uh, or the cart before the horse. What? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, y'all just fix it in your brains for me will be good but he goes on Paul does I mean he just lays it out we read a bunch of it a minute ago Uh, I'm not even sure if we covered it all but I mean things like he said you need to pursue unity you know by being humble gentle patient bearing with one another he said you need to attain maturity all these things if you're going to walk worthy um, so that you'll no longer be blown by the winds of false teachings and things You need to abandon sensuality. Stop indulging things like impurity and greed. 
said, put off falsehood. Start speaking the truth. Beware of anger. Don't let that lead you into sin, but instead reconcile quickly with people. He said, stop stealing. If you have been stealing, knock it off, he said. (laughs) And get to work instead, is what he pretty much said there. Um, Shut up any unwholesome talk. He might not have said shut up, but if you're speaking unwholesome, stop it. Only say those things that are helpful for building people up. Get rid of hatefulness. That includes bitterness, rage, fighting, slander, malice. Walk in love, he said, which is going to be our topic next week. We'll look at more specifically. But, you know, be kind, compassionate, forgiving. And then towards the end, this is actually in chapter 5, and I think the slide says chapter 4, but uh, chapter 5, 3 through 6, I'm just going to read this as kind of his big summary statement at the kind of the end of this section. He says, just in case you weren't overwhelmed yet at what it looks like to walk as worthy. He says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. Some of that, some of y'all have to stop telling jokes altogether. Those are the only ones you knew. Which are out of place, but instead, you know, replace those with thanksgiving. He goes on, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Wow. That's a long list. I mean, Paul has a way, he does this in a lot of his letters, of just making a list that hits everybody somewhere. You know, you're, you're, you're cruising along through the list, good. You're like, oh yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. And then he's like, disobedient to parents. <laughs> you know, you just throw in something. It's, everybody gets hit by something, you know. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. Well, gluttony. Ooh, I do like my food. <laughs> I mean, you just, he hits everybody. I mean, he hits them hard. He hits all of us hard. He says some really harsh statements. And sometimes you come away from that. And I would definitely think that, like, you know, unbelievers or those who haven't read a lot from Paul and read a lot of scripture to understand how all the gospel works and stuff, you come away from that saying, this sounds just like every other religion in the world that says, I've got to do this and this and this and this to ever be worthy. To ever achieve, you know, salvation or to be right with God. I've got to follow all these rules. And how is this different than, than anything else? And, and again, if this was all we ever saw of Paul's writings, we might think that that's what Paul thought. But as we looked at last week, he's also one of the most explicit in saying, you can never do enough to get right with God. In fact, here's what makes Christianity so different from the rest of the world's religions, well, I'm one among many things. Woo! That came at you fast. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that makes Christianity so different is that he says, and Jesus teaches, that you have to get right to do right. That's the opposite of what every other religion and, and people think. They think you have to do right to get right. 
And God, Jesus says, there's no way you're going to get right until you, I mean, you're going to do right until you get right. It's kind of like we said last week where uh, we're not saved by our works, but we're saved for our works. It's only once God gets a hold of our lives and we surrender to Him and we get His Holy Spirit's help that we can actually have any hope of beginning to walk into this way. And so it's totally backwards, totally upside down. We're not, this is not the way to get you right with God this is when you get right with God this is how you walk worthy by his help and by his power this is how you begin to live in a new way and we see this kind of back in the the middle of this passage that we read you know he points out this is not the way of life you learned you know all these things all these old things that that you used to do that's not the way of Jesus you know and he says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. You know, after you come to Christ, you, that's, you, know, you decide you believe that gospel, well then the next step is repentance. And that means turning from your old life and putting on something new. Because your old self, it says, was being corrupted by its deceitful desires. But instead we need to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's the thing about the old ways, or the world's ways, or whatever you want to call them, the, the wisdom of this present age, you know. We read a list like that, or, or we think, take inventory in our lives, and there's desires and things that we have that seem really appealing to us still. They seem really good. And when Jesus says not to do them, we're kind of like, well, I mean, you know, did did he really mean that? Because this seems really good. And that's why they're called deceitful desires. Because they've always seemed really good. The fruit in the garden, I bet it looked pretty appetizing. They're deceitful desires, though, because they can't deliver on what they promise. I mean, just one example out of a billion that we could choose, but something that's very prominent today in our culture and, and even in the church. Uh, you know, when you get ready, you're, you're looking for a, a mate, right? You're looking for a, uh, someone to live your life with and uh, to partner with in life. And, you know, marriage used to be the thing. <laughs> And now, it's not always the thing. Or, you know, a lot of people still like marriage, but they like it, you know, they want to make sure they have all their ducks in a row first. It's a big commitment. So before you step into that, you might want to try, you know, living with them first or something. I mean, before you make that kind of decision, shouldn't you find out if it's going to work? And so in the world's wisdom... They say, you know, let's just do that that way. Sometimes we call it cohabitation, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, it's just the norm nowadays. Folks, you know, before you get married, make sure it's going to work with them. 
You know, make sure they're going to clean their room at the end of the day or whatever. You don't know that kind of stuff until you're going to live with them. You've got to be sexual in your relationships before you're married. Otherwise, who's going to want to marry you? You won't be any good, right? And you've got to make sure that they're good. I mean, that's a big part of marriage, right? So wouldn't you want to make sure that the person that you're going to marry is, you know, that you're compatible in that way? And that kind of, this is the world's wisdom. This is, you, you want to make sure, without any strings attached yet, that all this is going to work. And, and it makes a lot of sense in the world's wisdom. And it makes a lot of sense for the desires of our heart that want all that stuff without the commitment thing that goes with it. And a lot of folks would say, well, look at how you know, prevalent divorce is nowadays. And uh, you know, I just don't want to jump into that right away with just anybody. I just need, you know. And there's a lot of ways that we, we work that through in our heads. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's another one of those deceitful desires. And it never delivers... On what, or maybe I should just say, as a general rule, it doesn't deliver on what it promises. I mean, that ends in all sorts of different ways. Sometimes it ends with an unwanted pregnancy. And, and you know, everybody applauds that nowadays, which I think may be an improvement over when we used to shame the girl for, for that in, in ridiculous ways. But let's not pretend that this is a wonderful, rosy moment. Let's not pretend that this single mom's life is not going to be really hard. Or that this is the best plan for that child. You know, or the consequence might be that you decide, hey, this is working great. Let's get married. And what you don't realize is that all that wisdom that says, this is going to make it, you know, this way you'll make sure that that marriage is going to work out right. Statistically, is not true. And studies have shown that people who have lived together before they get married have a higher rate of divorce afterward, not a lower one. And so, you know, just it's a deceitful desire. It's deceitful in the sense that it sells a lie. It, it can't deliver on what it promises. And this, like I said, I'm picking on that one today. But this is true for all those things that, that the world throws at, at us that, that stand contrary in clear contrast to God's ways and to the Jesus way. And they say, oh, this is good, this is good, do it. You know, but they're deceitful desires. You know, whether it's uh, you know, the, the sexual stuff and the, you know, the orientation and the whatever, you know, the different things along those lines or whether it's greed or whether it's, you know, a, a selfish ambition and, and the, the pursuit of power and money and whatever it is. I mean, it all promises a lot more than it can deliver. And so there's deceitful desires that if we continue to walk in those ways and pursue those things, we're not walking in a way that's worthy of the gospel, according to Jesus, according to Paul. If that sounds harsh, it's because, it's because the, the light of reality always seems really bright and blinding to those who have been in the darkness of deceit. When, when your vision is clouded by lies, then when you come up against truth, it's harsh. It can be difficult to swallow. But the thing is, as long as you're clinging to your old life, 
you'll never be worthy of his new life. In a real sense, you'll never be able to experience that new life. You know, Paul talked about receiving God's wrath. Usually when Paul talks about God's wrath, he describes it as as God saying, okay, if you want that instead of me, I'm going to let you have it. Along with all the consequences that come from it. So as long as we're clinging to our old life, we'll never be worthy of his new life. We have to be willing to put it behind us. Kind of like what we read from Jesus earlier, right? That whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So it is that as long as you're clinging to your old life, you'll never be worthy of his new life. Let's just try to get really practical for a minute because this can be kind of overwhelming. It can be, you know, when you look at that long list and see that none of us are, you know, have arrived, then it can be, you know, how, how do we approach this, Pastor? And first of all, remember that you are not saved by these things, but for these things. But once you come to Christ, there's a couple of things that help you in pursuit of this better way. One is that God continually provides the forgiveness we need. That's what partially makes this possible. He is the sacrifice, one time and for all. You know, back in, back in the Old Covenant, we call it, in the, in the Old Testament. That's where that Old Testament comes from, it's the Old Covenant. And in that system that God set up, partially just to show us all how we weren't going to be able to do it on our own power, you know, they had to constantly offer sacrifices to cover up for all their shortcomings and mess-ups. And Jesus was the final sacrifice. That's what we teach as Christians since the beginning. There's no need for any further shedding of blood because Christ's blood has been shed as a payment for the consequences of our sinfulness. And so... God continually provides the forgiveness we need, but not only that, the power that we need. Once we come to Christ and we repent, we turn from our old way and start living a new way, then He provides us with a helper, right, named the Holy Spirit, to give us the strength that we need. As we fight this battle that we couldn't win on our own, He gives us help and strength that we wouldn't have on our own to put to death some of those really hard habits, some of those really strong desires. Otherwise, walking as worthy would never be possible. And it may be that, that you're never 100% there before on this side of heaven, or this side of Jesus returning. But walking as worthy means putting those old things behind, walking into new ways. Putting the old things behind, walking into new ways. Putting the old things behind. It's a journey. You're walking. We want to be walking as worthy. So, here's a couple things for you that you can think about that you might need to do today. Maybe one of them, maybe both of them. Maybe you need to work these into your journey so you can make sure that you are walking as worthy if you're wanting to follow Jesus Christ. One, worthy, walking worthy is possible because you can confess your sins. Just as we said 
Forgiveness is continually available. You can confess your sins. You can, we talked about last week, you know, the need if you want to pursue humility to do confession and repentance. Jesus taught us to pray. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. You don't get to be a jerk to everybody and then expect God to be nice to you. But we can confess our sins. And that's a good way to stop and take inventory, right? And say, God, show me anything in me that's not pleasing to you. Because sometimes we get blind, right, to ourselves. and we, So we read God's Word and we ask God to show us if there's anything in us that's not pleasing to Him. And we confess those things to Him and, we, and He forgives us our sins. He's ready and willing to do that. And not only that, we can seek help to live a new way. I think one of the saddest things in the church today that, that I've encountered anyway is our lack of reliance on the Holy Spirit's help. I mean, this was the big deal. Jesus said to his apostles, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit shows up. You're going to need his help. And the same is true for us today. You know, if we think that we can go and live worthy without his help, we've got another thing coming. So we need to rely on the Holy Spirit every day to help us do what we would not have the strength to do on our own. So these are things, you know, I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe it's been a long time since you spent any time just talking with God about what you might need to confess or what you might need to work on. Or maybe, you know, you just haven't been very mindful of the Holy Spirit or of His power waiting to be at work in your life to change old habits that are hard to break, to change your mindset and your desires from those deceitful things to His true things. Because that's the deal, isn't it? These things... That, that we think are so good and right are not actually the best. We actually believe that the Jesus way is the best way to live. That it, it, it's actually leading you to be more truly human in the sense that we were intended to be than the world's ways. That we're being truer to who we were meant to be. Because the God who created us said, here's the way I designed you to work. Here's the way I designed human society to work. And if you want to flourish as, as a people and as an individual, here are the ways that you go. And, and what's amazing is, once you start walking in those ways, you begin to find some of the joy and some of the peace and some of the satisfaction that you were never able to find in the, all the things that the world has said, you'll find those things in. But you can find them in the Jesus way that oftentimes looks so unappealing to the world. Is there anything too hard to give up for Jesus Christ? I mean, this is titled Walking as Worthy, right? Worthy of what? Worthy of the gospel. Worthy of Jesus. Walking as worthy of the one who gave up more than you or I would ever even have to give up in the first place. Gave up heaven 
and, and oneness with the Father in heaven, sitting at his right hand, gave that up to become like us in our human frailty, to, to walk our dusty roads, and to die the most shameful death available, to experience a brokenness with the Father that he had never experienced before. We don't even, we can't fathom some of that stuff. But that's what we're talking about when we say walk as worthy, walk as worthy of him. And when we keep that in our minds, we'll realize there is nothing that would be too much to give up for the one who gave up everything for us when he didn't have to. We have nothing special to give him, do we? That would cause him to give all that up? So we strive, once we believe this gospel, this incredible gospel that Jesus actually lived, that he died for our sins and that he rose from the dead, that he's coming back again to set everything right, to create a new heaven and earth for us to live together in unity with him, and to walk in this right way, there's nothing that would be too much to give up. And that's what it looks like to walk as worthy of the gospel that we've received. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. We're going to pray, and I just want to ask you know, where some of you are at today. And we talked about two things that you can do to pursue a, a life as walking as worthy. And maybe both of these is where you're at today. Or, or maybe one of them really <coughs> hit you as, hey, this is something I need to do and I need to work into my life this week. <coughs> the first one was confessing sin in your life. <coughs> And if that's where you're at today and you feel like, man, that's something I need to work into my prayer life, that's something I need to do today, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. The other one that we talked about was seeking help to live in a new way. And if that's where you're at today and you need to rely on the Holy Spirit more in your life to help you live in this worthy kind of way, then would you raise your hand today and say, that's where I'm at. Yes. Absolutely. Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your better way of life. God, we confess all the things we've tried to hold on to and carry over the things of this world that have seemed so appealing and like things we can't do without and we confess those to you today. Ask your forgiveness. And Holy Spirit, oh, how we need your help to truly let those things go and walk into a new and better future. To walk in the Jesus way. God, help us to walk as worthy. Help us to walk in your way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.